It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, and review. Hang out with us for a while right here on the Jam Session podcast, sponsored as always by Hector Flores with Modern Woodman of America, a fraternal financial organization that can help you plan for your family's future. Give Hector a call, 940-453-3490. Also brought to you by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law will fight that legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, it has arrived. The moment we've all been waiting for. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, Doc? I would be the non-sexy one, Matt McLaren, and this, my friends, is Jam Session, the podcast, version 168, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. And as you might imagine, we will have a lot of entertaining things for you today. We will go through the gamut. The Dallas Cowboys bent the Falcons over and took advantage of them. 43-3 to blowout. We will get into all of that. We'll have a little trip around the block. We've even got some college football that we're going to get into after a, another wild, especially in the Big 12, a wild weekend for local Texas teams in college football. But we want to start you off by reminding you that if you woke up and you finally realized, my God, yes, now is when I want to start planning for my future. And you're like, what, what, what do I do? What? Oh, don't freak out. Did you write down the number? 940-453-3490. That's Hector Flores. He's with Modern Woodman of America, a fraternal financial organization. They're non-fee-based. It costs nothing to meet with Hector. No, and I think the reason why you meet with Hector is to put your long-term or even your short-term plan together, man. But really, I tend to think of it more of a long-term deal where you're trying to figure out what to do with your financial future. If you're a little older like me, maybe you want to be a little conservative. If you're a little younger like Matt, maybe you want to be a little more aggressive. If you're real young, maybe you just want to roll the dice and see if it comes up lucky seven. Uh, it doesn't matter what approach you want to take. Hector can map out a plan, give you a roadmap to help you follow it. And whatever plan you want to take, he can help you get there so that you've got your financial future straight when you're ready to need it. So think about this. So Modern Woodman of America, a fraternal financial organization, what they do is a unique combination of business giving back to those who they serve. And we've told you about this with that continuous cycle of positive impact. How about this? They have raised $29.3 million contributed to community projects and individuals in need through over 194,000 volunteer hours. So you start getting into this, and, and this is what it is. Hector gets with you. He helps you plan for your future, helps you take care of your family, and they use part of that to get back into the community. So it's a continuous cycle of he's helping you, you're helping him, they're helping the community. It's a fantastic idea, man. It works very well, and he's going to take care of you. His number, 940-453-3490. 940-453-3490. Hector Flores with Modern Woodman of America. Also, of course, Screening Law. I hope it didn't happen to you this weekend, but if it did, I hope you had the number written down because if you've been hurt in a car accident, it comes out of nowhere. You never plan for it. You want to have that number handy so that you can wake up on that next Monday and give Greening Law a call. Let the Green team, his staff, it's Robert Greening, let his team help you focus on getting back to the way you're supposed to be and let them be your fierce legal competitor against the insurance companies. Well, the best thing about the Green team, man, is... You know, they tell you the answers to questions you didn't even know were supposed to be asked. 
And uh, Matt can attest to it. And, you know, the thing I like about him is it doesn't cost anything to pick up the phone and say, hey, here's my situation. What do you think? They say, hey, we think you're a good fit for us. We'll bring you on as a client. They do that. You don't have to worry about anything. They handle everything. And here's the best part to me. They don't get paid unless you get paid. So you know they're working their butt off to help you. It's amazing. It's the way to do it. They will take care of you. Shock just told you they only get paid if you get compensated. Consultation is absolutely free. 972-934-8900. 972-934-8900. Call now. Robert Greening, offices, Dallas, Texas. Friends, the Dallas Cowboys are right there atop the NFC. I, I Notice I didn't say the NFC East. I'm saying atop the NFC and... Obviously, I think, man, you're surprised the fact that it was 36 to 3 at the half. I'm not surprised that they whipped Atlanta because I thought that they would put up a lot of points. I thought that they would win today. And it just kind of goes back and really, to me, at least solidified the idea that for whatever reason last week, everybody was just off. They weren't ready for the game. And that the Cowboys team we had seen seven out of eight previous games is the Cowboys team that showed up today. Dude, it's uh, it's what we figured would happen if the Cowboys were who we thought they were, based on what we've seen all year. We figured they would turn out and play a good game. What's what you heard out of uh, the star this week? Everybody was about focus. Last week wasn't us. We're on a mission. Uh, it got to the point that they were so focused that uh, on Friday, Mike McCarthy's just like, let's play some brotherhood bingo because mm. you guys are too wound up. Uh, let's have a little bit of fun. And then they went out there, man, and took care of business. 43 points. And I'm sure like a lot of people saw the statistics they were putting up on the broadcast, talking about how this is the first time since December of 1971 that Dallas led by 33 or more points at the half. 36 points in one half, and they were surgical. And it's interesting, too, because you go back to it, and, and it's funny, but isn't this the way football works? You get to that first drive, that very first drive, where Dak hits CeeDee Lamb with a 37-yard completion, and you're sitting there going, okay, here we go. And Dak's back. And then the very next throw on a slant to Gallup, really he threw what probably should have been a pick six. Yes, sir. But Atlanta doesn't pick it. It drops to the ground, so instead they kind of settle it down. And it's funny because of all the passes, and, and they pulled them obviously in the second half, but when you look at what Dak did today, he was so damn good. He was 24 of 31, and the two worst passes he threw for the game were on that drive. The one that should have been a pick six that wasn't, and then the other one on a third and six, or not the third and six, it was a play right before that where he threw it out to Lamb, and it was just a horrible pass that went, I don't even know what it was. And, and outside of that, I mean, Dak was right back to being MVP-level candidate Dak. Which doesn't surprise me at all, man, because he spent the week talking about um, my fundamentals were messed up last week. I mean, he and this is where you want to get to in your career. It's like a pitcher who has a bad start. He's like, I know exactly what's wrong with my mechanics. I know exactly how to fix it. I'm going to focus this week on making sure my fundamentals are good. And then I'm going to go play the way I know how to play. It's exactly what he did. And that's that's what they did. And then boom, boom, there you are. Dak got blitzed on that one play uh, there on the third and six. Makes a, a wonderful play to CeeDee Lamb for the touchdown. Cowboys are up 7 nothing, and you start to feel it. And then obviously it gets interesting because the next drive by Atlanta – and this is what I thought. The game changed for me a couple of times. One, the failed pick six from Atlanta. 
right. there's two more plays. One of them was the third and seven where Justin Gage catches the ball. They rule it a completion on the field. McCarthy was 0 for 4 on challenges. Immediately, Jerron Curse gets up and just starts, like, signaling to throw the flag. Like, he's pissed. Yep. Like, he's pointing. Right. Like, he knows. And guys usually don't do that unless they're 100%. Correct. And he's in McCarthy throws a challenge. They challenge it, and that hit by Curse became huge because they overturned the ruling on the field, which would have given them a first down on a third and seven. Instead, it's a fourth down, and it held Atlanta to a field goal. And instead of being perhaps seven to seven, it was seven to three after each team had the ball once. No, you're right. That's a big deal because it looked like, even though the second series didn't go the way, it just looked like the Cowboys were in a much better rhythm day. And anytime you could trade a field goal for a touchdown, it's going to be a big benefit for the Cowboys. And then obviously my other one, and I think a lot of people will remember this one, is when Dallas, this is Atlanta's second drive. Dallas had punted it. It's 7-3. to Atlanta, at this point, Dallas at this point, was not stopping Kyle Pitts. By the time Atlanta got halfway through their second drive, Kyle Pitts had three catches for 52 yards. Then Golston knocks down that pass at the line. It's third and seven. Jordan Lewis makes a flat-out baller play. I mean, a baller play on great coverage. It wasn't interference. And then Atlanta decides to go for it on fourth and seven. Instead, now, I, was trying to figure, I was trying to figure out why they did that, bro. I was, so- too, because Koo is a really good, a really good field goal kicker. And this was not out of his field goal range. No, but I checked in with my boy D. Orlando Ledbetter, who's been covering the uh, Falcons probably as long as I've been covering the Cowboys or close to it. Mm-hmm. And uh, he just said, and I, I checked in with him just ironically. For the AJC. For yeah, for the Atlanta Journal Constitution. Yeah. Um, and I checked in with him and said, well, Why'd your boy do that? And he said, Simple, man. Cowboys had the number one offense in the league. They didn't think field goals were going to uh, help them win the game. And uh, at that point in the field, they decided to go for touchdown. Yeah, so they go for it, and Jordan Lewis, again, makes an absolute baller play. And I got to be honest, I, I, I have no problem with Jordan Lewis. I, I, he has been, and sometimes this is what you want guys in the secondary to be. I haven't noticed him a lot this year, but I say that in a sense of he hasn't done a lot of things that made me notice him. And, okay, he's not Trayvon Diggs. He's not picking off all these passes and doing that, but he's also not getting burnt. You know, maybe one or two times this year earlier where I can recall that happening. But for the most part, he's just been solid, which is what you want your slot number three corner to do. He made a couple of great plays here. Dallas got the ball and then marched right back down the field. And at 14 to three, it felt like this game was over. Well, you know why Jordan Lewis is on the team, man. He's on the team because one, he tends to be a playmaker. And two, at his size, he plays with a lot of swag. And uh, Will McClay has said many times that I just like his attitude, I like his toughness, I like his competitiveness, and I like the fact that he always figures out how to make a few plays every season that let us know why we keep him around. Yeah, man, and, and you know, Dallas went for it multiple times on fourth down in this game. This is what McCarthy does, and they went for it. You all right there? Yeah, I got wheels on my mic today. <laughs> Apparently, I was like, oh, you have a mouse? But, you know, I mean, that's one thing that I like about McCarthy. I mean, this is an aggressive coaching staff. They do aggressive things. 
Have you always liked that? Because I don't seem to remember. No, saying no. And there was a time. Out. There was a time, even when it worked, that I still didn't like it because I didn't like the right. situation. I didn't think it was necessary. I had no problem with it today. You're up seven to three. I thought they got down there and on the fourth and five on that third drive for Dallas, or maybe it was. It, yeah, it was. It was the fourth and five play where they went for it. And Dak just made a phenomenal play. He he, he threw a laser to C.D. Lamb, who made the catch, picks it up. Two plays later, you're in the end zone. It's 14 to 3. Well, I think we have now, and this is why you have to, um, what's the word I'm looking for? You can't you can't just judge everything off of one instance or whatever, man. Yeah. I think now, with now that they had a regular offseason, you're starting to see the benefits of McCarthy. Because, you know, we all asked for for several weeks, okay, what, what does he do? Because he ain't, uh, you know, he ain't coaching the offense. He ain't coaching right. the defense. What what really is he doing? And now you get a very clear picture that he's uh, clearly he's established culture. Um, clearly, he's the one saying, let's be very aggressive on fourth, uh, you know, on fourth down. And clearly, uh, whether we like it or not all the time, he's giving uh, John Foster the green light to be very aggressive. Um, so if, if you look at fourth down, fourth and five is a big play, man, but it ends up with a touchdown and. You know, they were very aggressive the next time they got a fourth down. They were. And, again, I didn't have any problem with that. And, and I thought, look, the, sometimes to me we wonder, okay, so what does McCarthy do? We, we've talked about that on the park. What does McCarthy do? He doesn't call plays. Colin Moore does that. He's not calling the defense. That's Dan Quinn. Special teams is all bones. But I think in situations like this, this is what McCarthy does is understand what his team is. And understand where his team is sometimes. And yes, have we seen some boneheaded, frustrating things this season? Of course we have. But if we're going to knock Mike McCarthy for times that he has done things we don't we disagree with, we have to give him a lot of praise because this is a seven and two team that has just won a game forty three to three. And you can't in the same breath talk about, wow, he mismanages this and his clock management. Why what did he do? And the timeout without sitting here and acknowledging while true, yes, he is the head coach of a team that's 7-2 and two that just blew out an opponent by 40 points that went into New Orleans and beat them last week. Right. Is he aggressive? Sure. But I thought when they were up 14-3, to three, you had the feeling. And by the way, before Atlanta punted, Jordan Lewis made another great play on that third down when Atlanta had to punt. And then I even typed in my notes, I, I typed, Jordan Lewis makes another great play. Dallas has a chance to put this thing away. And they went right down the field. Dak was surgical. Zeke for nine. Pollard for eight. It's third and eight. Dak throws it to Lamb. Short of the first, they decide to go for it on fourth and three, and Dak throws a laser to Michael Gallup. One play later, touchdown, 21-3, ball game. Yeah, pretty much. I think they were going. I think that's why they went for it. They were going for the knockout punch. Mm -hmm. And on the play to Gallup, you know, Dak makes a really good play, avoiding pressure, rolling to his left, buying time before he hits Gallup. And, um, yeah, I thought 21-3, this one's probably over because I didn't know the way that the Cowboys' offense was moving. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't think that, that the Falcons were going to be able to stop them enough to get back in the game. Yeah, I, I didn't either. At 21-3, the game was over, and then it was just going to be a part of, I got to be honest, Kyler Murray was out again today, and he's my fantasy guy. Matt Ryan is – I had to play him instead. And so I was like, okay, cool. So Ryan's going to get a bunch of garbage yardage. <laughs> Um, no, nah, bro. Matt Ryan finished with point point six eight points for me. Well, you know, man, if it makes you feel any better, 
I don't know that it will. But if it does, that was, I believe, um, the worst start of his NFL career. Oh, kick uh, ass. I'm glad I got to experience it with him starting for me this week. Uh, the previous worst start, and I know about this because I wrote about it in Dallas Morning News, uh, which you guys will be reading this morning, is that uh, he was 13 of 33 for 158 yards and two picks in the second start of his career against the Tampa Bay Bucks in 2008. Man. So, yeah. Uh, you know, that was one for the ages today, what they did to him. Oh, it was. And, and, you know, when you look at this, because you talk you talk about, like, Dorrance Armstrong, that sack up the middle on third down that forced a punt on the next drive, the surgical of how good Dak was today, of how good CeeDee Lamb was. Zeke and Paul are doing, they didn't need him a lot, but doing what they did when they were called upon. The defense, Parsons making plays, had another sack, had a couple of other great plays. Diggs, Trayvon Diggs with another interception, who now has eight and nine games, and again, right now is still on pace to break the Cowboys' record for interceptions in a season. I mean, I don't think it's bizarre to, to wonder if he'll get three or four more picks in the next eight games which is amazing to me but you talk about all this and the the totality of what the, the block punt on special teams is this the most complete game that we have seen Dallas play man I'm trying to remember the last time I saw a game like this that was so complete and so dominant in all phases of the game I was doing some research on that and I haven't found it yet uh, so maybe we'll go deeper on that on Tuesday because I also have a theory that we'll look into on Tuesday. And I, I'll just give you a real quick snapshot because kind of what you're talking about. You can tell a lot in general about how good a team is by how many blowouts they have mm -hmm. uh, in a season. And so what we're talking about is I think the Cowboys already have three wins of 20 points or more, which is really hard to do in the NFL. Um, and so if you go back and look at their best teams that they've had over the last 10, 15 years, um, I bet we'll find out that this, in terms of that metric, is uh, is pretty high. You know, double-digit wins and 20-point yeah. wins tells you a little bit about what you're dealing with, what kind of team you got. Uh, doesn't, you know, because you always hear about, oh, the championship team, they won a lot of close games. That's true. But when you got a really good team, you'll mix in some blowouts in there. Yeah, and obviously this was a blowout. The forty, the twenty-four point win over the Giants, twenty points over the Eagles earlier this year. You know, notch this up, and and I just thought, man, but but to be so complete and so good, and it's wild to think that a, a week ago they were down thirty to nothing, and really to me that was a score thirty to nothing, and then you beat a team by forty points the very next week in which you looked. They look perfect. I mean, other than that first drive where there are a couple of opportunities for the Falcons to do something and they didn't, outside of that, this Cowboys team was perfect. I mean, you know, uh, I think a lot of it uh, was just the focus, man. The focus was in this week. Uh, they talked about how they were overconfident last week. Even though they said they would never get like that, they got like that. And it's uh, it's understandable. It happens sometimes when you're playing really well. And overconfidence is really, you forget about the details. You don't put quite as much you know, attention to detail into your practice or your film study or whatever. And then you get out on the game and you're a step slow or, or half a step slow and it ends up costing you a play, uh, a big play. But, you know, I think another reason why they won today, and, you know, I'm not really a big believer in this long term because guys start and guys are backups for a reason. But it was a classic case of, you know, once again, the next man up played for him. Terrence Steele, awful last week. Yep. Solid today. You didn't really hear his name. I mean, which which is fine for him. 
so he played very well for Tyron Smith, who was out this week with the uh, bone spurs in his ankle. And then how about Dorrance Armstrong, man? Randy Gregory's been just a beast. Man. Dorrance Armstrong steps in. I think he, I think he finished with three tackles, a sack, three hits on the quarterback, a tackle for loss, mm-hmm. and then the block punt. Oh, well, that's a grown-ass man's game right there. That's a game that will earn him a game ball, I would bet. And that's the guy you have filling in this week for Randy Gregory. Now, we have no idea what he'll do next week, but it doesn't really matter. Uh, in terms of what he did this week helped you win a game. And you can only win them one at a time. And so this week, it was good enough. Yeah, man. I mean, they were extremely impressive. Like I said, in, in, in all three phases, Dorrance Armstrong was fantastic today. You know, Micah Parsons, they even talked about it on the broadcast. I think everybody that's a Cowboys fan kind of understands he is the front runner at this point. It'd be very surprising if he doesn't win defensive rookie of the year. He had a sack and a forced fumble. Atlanta recovered it. Dallas is already up 28 to three. And that move he put on that dude, he went like, hey, I'm going outside. And that left tackle, or I guess it was a right tackle, goes, okay, I got you. And then he goes, Beep, nope. And he cuts inside. And that tackle is like, holy shit, I can't. <laughs> I mean, it, I, it. That dude's doing, I mean, it, it is, you know, there's a point, and I did get some Cowboys, secret audio of a Cowboys homer today, and I, I might have commented on this, but there was a point where I said out loud, I was like, we're talking about a team that in back-to-back drafts got CeeDee Lamb and Micah Parsons in the first round. That's how you build championship teams, bro. I mean, I think it's becoming, and it will become, I, I love Amari Cooper, obviously. It, I, I think he's great. I think CeeDee Lamb's going to be better than he was. Micah Parsons might be one of the greatest defensive players this team's ever had when it's all said and done. You know me, bro. I can't step out there after. I know. After I know. It's, we're talking about halfway through a rookie season. But well, he, and, he and is see, doing stuff people don't do. And here's, here's, here's why I don't. Here's, here's why. Because what is, at least for me, the definition of greatness? The definition of greatness is doing this. For, for a decade. Yeah, yeah. Because what were we saying about Leighton Vanderesh after his rookie year? Okay, fair. You win. <laughs> All right. You know, and while Leighton's still a good player, he hadn't touched that since. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so it's about consistency and longevity. And if you could do that, then we can talk about greatness. But I, he, know, he, 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 he has looks that the part. He looks the part, and I like him because he says the part, and he's playing the part. So he's got everything that you want. Uh, it just takes time and consistency, dog. I mean, it, it's – we're talking about a dude. I don't think people – my brother texted me against Denver last week, and he was just – I don't know. Maybe he wasn't paying attention. He goes, oh, my God, I didn't know Mark – he goes, Micah Parsons is 6'3", 245. <laughs> I was yeah, like – I was like, yeah, and he rubs a – Yep, he rubs a – he runs a sub 4'4". He goes, no, he doesn't. I go, yeah, he does. He is a freak of nature. And you yeah. saw it on display, and we see it on display a lot. But you saw it today. You know, Dak at the half. This team's up thirty-six to three. Dak was eighteen of twenty-three for two hundred nineteen yards, two touchdowns in the first half. He completed passes to seven different receivers. And at that point, you know, there were some people like, "Oh well, Dan Quinn knows what it's like to be down like this in a game." And I was like, "Nah, I'd like I hate to tell you, the Cowboys. This is only going to get worse." And it did. Now, obviously, you know, they put Rush in, which was smart. 
and and they really pulled back in the second half. It, it that's in the NFL. This isn't college football. This isn't like oh my god, we got to come back and try to win. This is well, we're not winning this game. Let's not get hurt and move on next week. Yeah, and, run and, the ball, control yeah. the clock, and don't do anything stupid, and just. Get and you could tell. I mean, help. Matt Ryan was pulled in the second half. Yeah, because at a certain point, there's not enough possessions for you right. to win if we don't help you. So we're not going to help you, and so you know the game is over. But all in all, man, I mean, it, look. Anthony Brown had an interception today. Jordan Lewis got one in the second half. And again, Trayvon Diggs right now with eight interceptions. The only things in this game that I would look at and say I didn't like, again, the pick six that should have been that wasn't, and then Dak settled into it and became MVP Dak. Right. And I don't know. I'm I, I'm going to give actually a lot more credit to whoever that was that punched it out. But the Zeke fumble... That dude, I mean, that Atlanta defender made an unbelievable play. I mean, he put his entire weight on a Superman punch and just happened to hit right on the ball. Yeah, and uh, now the the other part is Zeke never saw him because he came from his blind yeah. side. And two, Zeke will tell you at that particular moment, he didn't have the ball with five-point pressure against his body. Because mm-hmm. um, if, if you got the five-point pressure and he punches it out, then you're just like, well, hey, sh- it happens. Yeah. Uh, but without that, it made it – it was still a spectacular play by that dude, but once he made contact, the ball was coming out. But all in all, man, this, this was – it was a lot of fun, obviously. It was – it was about as much fun as you can have watching a Cowboys game until you realize you don't live in the actual Dallas area anymore Bro. and your local Fox affiliate goes, well, this game's a blowout, so we're going to take you to Washington and Tampa Bay, a much more competitive game. And I was sitting in a hotel lobby going, the fuck? I was pissed. <laughs> I was pissed. And I, I, I put it on Twitter, and people were like, well, I mean, the game's not even – I was like, it's the Cowboys. Yeah. The, it's America's team. And I get it. I, you know, living in Alabama, there's a lot of Falcons fans. And I just wanted to be like, you know what? Double birds to you. Your other team, the Braves, just won the World Series. Let me watch this. Now, see, here's the difference. While Matt was yelling and screaming and, and throwing double birds. I was actually legit pissed. I said, because I was in, I'm in Baton Rouge because, yes, we've, we've taken the podcast on the road yeah, once again for me. You're in Baton but, uh, Rouge. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, because I was doing a game uh, with Jackson State and Southern. And so uh, last night, it was a late. It didn't start till six, and I didn't really get done with what I was doing till about eleven, eleven thirty or so. So I didn't mm-hmm. want to have to hop in the car and try to race back to see the Cowboys game. So I said, I'll just stay here and watch it, do all my work from here, including the podcast and stuff I do for the morning news. Man, so for me to do all of that, I do need to see the last quarter and a half to pick up some stuff and see what happened. And so I was, I just went and and, and ordered the uh, Direct TV stream service, Matt. That's fancy. Is that available online? <laughs> yeah. I didn't know this. I've only told you this like three times. Well, I forget shit. All right. You know, <laughs> I'll tell you this. So my lady had told me that she's like, all right, I'm going to get in the shower because she wanted to go to this festival thing after the game. And I was like, okay, cool. And I went in there and she's in the shower and I just put my face in there and I go, look, she goes, what's wrong? I was like, what do you mean? They they just took the Cowboys game off, and they're showing freaking Washington and Tampa. I was like, can you believe this? She's like, well, I, I was like, I just, I don't know. I don't know what to do. She goes, okay. I was like, yeah, so I guess we can just leave whenever you want now. 
She goes, okay, well, I'm showering. He's like, I know, I get that. I just am pissed and I need to tell somebody. <laughs> but man, it was wild because they they did that here. I I got to see the first series of the third quarter for Dallas, and I think that was it. Like I didn't I didn't see the Trayvon Diggs interception. I didn't see it either. I had to go back and uh, I went on Twitter and looked at those because I missed while I was figuring out how to how to set it up and everything. I missed Anthony Brown's interception. I missed Trayvon Diggs' mm-hmm. interception, and uh, I think Jordan I saw the Anthony Brown one. Off. I got to see that. Nah, bro, I missed them all. Damn, dude. Yeah, and I I just was my God that pissed me off. But what are you gonna do? There's nothing I and I was like, okay, whatever. You know, there, obviously the game's over, but I wanted to be able to see more of it. So I will tell you that the Homer audio that I do have is basically like a quarter and a half because it became so obvious so early on that I don't even know how exciting the, the audio is. I haven't gone through it yet. <laughs> I forgot I was recording myself because I started it before the game and I just kind of forgot that it was going on. So we'll see what happens. Right. But yeah. So anyway, Cowboys win and we look at it now and I, I'm going to say this with a disclaimer because obviously we've got Monday night football and Monday night football this week, at least on paper, looks like a good one. The Rams on the road at San Francisco. But as it sits right now, the Dallas Cowboys are third in the NFC. Now, if the Rams win tomorrow, they would pass Dallas and they would fall to fourth. Green Bay is eight and two. Arizona is eight and two. Dallas is seven and two. And the Rams are seven and two, but Green Bay, Arizona, and the Rams have not had their bye week yet, and Dallas has. So, point being, they are neck and neck, and they are right there with everybody atop the NFC. They get to play the Cardinals later on this year, and they are second in the NFC in point differential, only behind Arizona. They are currently plus eighty nine. Yep. So they got. Um... They got everything in front of them, man. All they need to do is continue to play their best football and, uh, you know, and see what happens uh, because uh, they're going to be in the hunt. You, y'all know I like to call it the division of doom, which is actually the NFC. But they're in the hunt for that, man. Everything's there for them. They just got to play good and go get it. And as we sit here right now on – we're recording this on Sunday evening. Dallas is second in the NFL in points. Only Arizona has scored more, but Arizona played an extra game, so Dallas leads the NFL in points per game. And it's interesting to me because Arizona, you know, Dallas did this with Dak, and Arizona has been doing it with Kyler Murray. He probably could have played today, but Arizona's looking at this like, you know what, so what if we lose? We are talking about doing this in January and February, so they set Kyler Murray again today and got their ass kicked, which... Again, look, Colt McCoy got hurt today. Oh, we, okay. So I didn't know that. Yeah, he, he got hurt. I can't remember if it was the second or the third quarter, but no, he didn't play the whole game. And, and Carolina beat him 34 to 10 in Arizona. But it's one of those things, like we always talk about, you can have a great backup quarterback. You're, you, you want him for one game. Come in for one game and don't lose it, which is what Colt did last week. And they just got their ass kicked this week. And you kind of wonder long-term what will happen with Arizona, but the Dallas Cowboys are right in the thick of this thing, man. I mean, they are, it, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Seattle, I didn't think was any good. I wouldn't surprise with what we saw Green Bay do to Seattle tonight, but when you say you don't know, what do you mean? I, I don't like you know. Said, I don't know. 
What don't you know? I don't know where this winds up. I, I, I like uh, like right now. Real realistic, Matt would tell you that I believe the Rams are the best team in the NFC. That's my okay. belief. But I don't know. When I say that, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if the Cowboys win this whole damn thing. But I wouldn't be surprised if they don't get the first round by, if they lost to, I mean, I don't know who the wild cards are going to be, which leads me to believe they win at least one playoff game this year. But my problem is you get, okay, so if you don't get the first round by and you've got to have a, you host a wild card game, I think you win that one. But then I look at Arizona, I look at Tampa, I look at the Rams, and I wonder, and I look at the Packers, and I wonder, even if you're at home, that's what I don't know. Are you better than those other teams? Well, I think, um, you know, I, th- I think you don't have to know. And I don't think you even have to worry about it because there's still enough football left that some of these things will become obvious over the next month. Yeah. You know, that, that's why Bill Parcells right. yeah. say yeah. everything's about jockeying to make the stretch run after Thanksgiving. It's about December. So everything now is about jockeying and putting yourself in position so that the Arizona game, you know, is hopefully for first place in the division of doom and the NFC. And so you just need to play good football and, and, and not worry about it. Just, and, you know, hope that you don't end up with Dak on the COVID list, you know, for Oh yeah. Right. You yeah. know what I mean? Cause yeah. look at it. I mean, everybody's on the COVID list now. It's not even a big thing. It's, it's like the injury, you know, Aaron Rodgers has been on it, been Roethlisberger on it today. Yep. Um, you know, so you're trying to avoid all of that stuff. Uh, but all you can do is play your games and play well. And they're one of the best teams. I don't think there's any question about that. And um, with their offense and their quarterback, they're capable of beating anybody on a given day. I mean, we throw out the Denver game as an outlier, which means their only loss, you know, that wasn't an outlier is going to be a two-point loss to Tampa Bay right. on the road when they had to lead with a minute and a half left. Yeah, so and, you'll take right. that. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and so I'm excited, man. And I, I'm trying not to be too excited because I've been excited before. And, well, and that's what excited because this is a. Uh, I enjoy the I week. Think you can, yeah, but I think you can be excited because it's a good team that seems like it shows up to play. You know, all but one game, and so you don't have to worry about oh they're going to you know do one of those disappearing performances that the Cowboys have done over the years and like oh my God how did you disappear in that game? And part of that is because Dak's the leader and he doesn't allow that to happen. And then you look at Amari Cooper, you look at Zeke, you look at their other leaders, and they're all the same type of dude and mentality, Zach Martin. I mean, when you have guys like that and they have talented team, they just don't allow some of that funky stuff to show up that we've seen with the Cowboys over the years. Yeah, and I think that that's part of it. And you mentioned the Dak thing, and, and I always believed in them, but you know, it's weird how the Dak hate hive has just kind of died off. You don't, you don't hear anything from them anymore. It ain't weird. I mean, you'd have to be an idiot to sit right. around and talk about he's not a good player. Like, I agree. Like, you'd have to be a complete asshole or have no one. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like, you would have to be doing a bit or have no understanding about the NFL. And that's one of the reasons why I get excited about this, because Dak Prescott, and I believe this for a long time, but he is proving. And you need a lot of other things to happen around you. I get it. And there's right. other quarterbacks in this league that are also on that level. He can win a Super Bowl. Now, whether or not they do, we'll find out. 
But this team, to bounce back from what we saw last week, to get that win, and now we'll see what happens. Because if you can go into Arrowhead, and, and I hate to tell you guys, this is what people that don't understand the NFL. If the Cowboys throttle Kansas City next week, or, oh, oh, watch out. Kansas City's not, their defense is horrible. Now, Pat Mahomes is still existing, and I'll be curious to see how Dan Quinn approaches that. It should be a premier matchup. Right. But Kansas City, I, I would expect Dallas to put up 30-plus points on that defense because their defense isn't any good. Yeah, I think, um, you know, you may have a weather factor next week, but uh, let's say that let's say the weather is just regular crisp fall weather. They can put up 31. The question is, you know, how good Kansas City plays because, you know, Kansas City, if they win tonight for all the stuff that they've done, all the bad football they've played, they'll be tied for first place, I believe, in, in, in the AFC West. And the other thing is the way the Cowboys are playing, um, you know that you will get Kansas City's full attention yeah. and their best effort and their best performance. And so you got to be able to match that. And um, I think Dallas will. Is, and the question will be whether that's good enough because with Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, you know, they've always they've got instant offense on any play. See, and this is what, and again, we did this already. And we didn't know Dallas was going to poop in their pants and just kind of walk around with it last week against, Dow- against Denver. But you look at this and you go, okay, you got the Chiefs. I, I, I'm not convinced right now that Dallas isn't. I, I believe right now Dallas is a better team than Kansas City. Then you got the Raiders. The Raiders have been going through at some point you, got, you have to break. And obviously tonight we're recording this before the game. Kansas City and Las Vegas, so we'll see how that turns out. But the Raiders, you know, with the rug situation and then the Arnett situation and the Gruden situation, you just wonder how much can a how much can any group of any people handle with people close to them in one given season before they just break. And then you go on the road for three in a row, but it's the Saints, it's Washington, whose defense randomly exists now. And then you've got the Giants, and I look at this and I go, man, this is a team that are they going to trip up and lose again? I believe they will. But I sure as shit wouldn't be surprised if they've only got three losses when they roll in home against Arizona in the second-to-last game of the season on January 2nd. No, that wouldn't surprise me. I mean, they're a really good team, and they're going to be favored in virtually all of those games except maybe this week. And if they play their best football, I mean, there's if they play their best football, there's nobody in the division who's going to beat them. So, you know, that's still, uh, what, three more games, four more games. Um, yep. So that alone gets you to how many wins is that, like 12? Uh, yeah, if they, win those, if they win those four, it's 11. Right, that gets you to 11. So, I mean, you just start, you can, as Todd Archer likes to say, you can just start doing the math and you can, you can see where it goes. And we're talking about just the games that you should win. Right, so, right, yeah. and then it becomes, and we've. This is why you invented the the uh, division of doom, is because in somehow all four teams in the NFC East won today. Giants won, Washington won, Philadelphia won. Right, Dallas is going to win the division. It now, and that's why you created the division of doom. Is where can they get in the grand scheme of the NFC? Is that first round by and home playoff throughout right. possible? Because the last thing that you want to have to do, and, and you just kind of wonder, is this is this what this is about? 
Is this about Dallas going to Green Bay, McCarthy going against Aaron Rodgers? The history of those two teams, even in recent years in the playoffs, it feels like to me, because I don't think Arizona is, is maybe mature is the word I'm thinking of, Right, because I feel like you have to have been in the playoffs and tested the waters and known what it's like. And Arizona and Kyler Murray haven't done that. And so I just wonder if this is a a Dak Prescott, Aaron Rodgers, McCarthy whole bit with Green Bay NFC Championship game. Dude, you way too. I know, I know, I know. I mean, God damn. They won 43 to three. I got excited. <laughs> I threw away my blue chew and watched the game again. I mean, Jesus. Dude, I, mean, I know, yeah. I know, I know. Wow, I know. Yeah. God, I that's, know. I'm, I'm, a, I mean, I don't. Now you got me sound like a party pooper, man. But I'm just like, no. But you're dude. not because somebody has to be realistic. And usually, see, fan Matt comes into play, which is the one that you hear on Secret Audio. Realistic, right. me, you know. I, I mean, I watch a lot of teams that I love, and I'm realistic about them. But the fan, you know, of course, obviously, when I see a 43-3 blowout and. I've been hungry for this for forever. You know, living in Birmingham, you get to run into a lot of people that are fans of different teams. And we've gotten to be friends recently. This girl who does, she's a sports reporter for the local CBS affiliate here in Birmingham. And they just moved here. Her and her boyfriend just moved here from Kansas City. So me and my lady, I reached out to her and I was like, I know you guys just moved here. And I thought that her and and my lady would get along really well. So I just reached out to her. I was like, hey. You know, we should get together. So we've hung out with them a couple of times. They are hardcore Chiefs fans. Well, her boyfriend texts me today. Oh. Because I, I was like, hey, you guys want to get a drink later? He's like, well, the Chiefs play tonight, so we're going to watch them. I was like, oh, okay, cool. And he goes, yeah, man. He's like, I can't handle this Chiefs team. And I was like, what do you mean? And he was like, well, it's just, I mean, up and down season. I was like, you just won the damn Super Bowl two years ago. <laughs> yeah, bro. We ain't trying. We I said, I think you're good. Me. Yeah, bro. You good, homie. For real, because we've been debating, like, should we have them over next week? Hell no, now. You know, to maybe watch the, the, the Cowboys and the Chiefs. But I told him, I was like, dude, like, I don't know. Like, you don't, you can't complain. You, yeah, you lost, you lost the Super Bowl last year. You went back-to-back years. I was in high school when the Cowboys last won a Super Bowl. And now I sit down to pee and my balls touch the water. That's That's how long... <laughs> We've gone. That's how old I've gotten. <laughs> wow. I mean, it's it's hard not to get excited in years like this because, I mean, you know this, man, the inconsistency of Cowboy over the last 25 years, and that was one thing that I really was hoping that McCarthy could instill was just put us in the damn conversation year in and year out. And this is well, the I mean, first year that we're going to be in the conversation. But, I, I mean, just do what Seattle is until this year. Do you win it every year? No. Do you even make the Super Bowl every year? No. But at least be in the conversation. I mean, I think, uh, I mean, I think that's fair. I think that's – and you can do that if you've got, uh, you know, a good team and uh, a good front office and, and guys who know how to put it, put it all together. And, and that's I where I feel like this that. is. I feel yeah. like we're there this year. We're, we are in the conversation. Is it going to happen? I don't know. But we're in the conversation. And I like that. I have no idea if she's going to say, yeah, let's go back to your place. But she's talking to me. <laughs> so you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> Pretty much, dude. All right, let's tell you about Bruce Biltong. If you haven't ordered it yet, I don't know why. This, this is funny because my mom and dad listen to the podcast. And I was yes. talking to them the other day. 
So bruised biltong is a traditional, it's not beef jerky. It's like beef jerky, but it is not beef jerky. It is a traditional South African dried meat. And my mom asked me the other day, she goes, so I heard you got that new sponsor. You you really talk them up. Do you really like it? I was like, yes. Are you kidding me? (laughs) And my dad was like, okay, well, I'm going to order some. I was like, you should. I ate a bag of it today. Like it, it has legit become this. I'm not bullshitting you guys. This has become my go-to post-workout snack. I love it. I think it tastes really good. It's savory. It's much more tender than beef jerky. The flavor is fantastic. And if you get their little two-ounce snack bags, they're 240 calories and 30 grams of protein in one serving. Dude, they're um, it's terrific, man. There's uh, I enjoy it. And I, I tell you all the time, man, you know, I, I like to uh, kind of watch what I eat. And mm-hmm. I love it because it's uh, it's a lot of protein, not a lot of carbs, no sugar. And I like to eat it after workouts, man, in the middle of the day. It keeps me going to my next real meal. But what I love about it, it's the tenderest stuff ever, man. I mean, it really is. It doesn't taste like what you think tradi- traditional beef jerky is. Is oh, let me taste it. It's great. Now let me go get a toothpick and get it all out of my teeth. Yeah, man. I mean, it, it's... It is fantastic. I, I truly believe it is. And if you guys have not tried it yet, I think you should. It's zero sugar. There's no artificial ingredients. Hey, it, we've already had a couple listeners uh, shoot us pictures that they've tried. It. Yeah, we have. And, and Daquan from Missouri tried mm-hmm. it, and somebody else tried it and said it was great. You're right. It, it is great. And I'm telling you, man, like I, I have already ordered. I had another order that came in last week, and I already ate one of the bags that I ordered. <laughs> No, for real, like this morning, I've gotten in, I don't know why, I've really gotten into a Sunday morning workout. Like I wake up early and I knock out like a hardcore workout on Sunday morning. Starts the day right good, bro. I guess it does. And and after that, I was like, I'm not really hungry yet. And I just ate some biltong (laughs) and it's bruised biltong. It's B-R-U-S-B-I-L-T-O-N-G, bruised biltong. Go to the website, order it. I think you're really going to like it, man. And, and if you use the promo code JAM15 at checkout, you get 15% off your order. It's easy. Bro. If you like beef jerky, I really, truly believe that you will love Biltong. Like, I'm, really? I'm, I'm excited that I discovered this and that we're doing this with them because I really like it. Hey, that's all that matters, bro. I and mean, they have a customer, they, like, they advertise with us, and they have a customer in me because <laughs> right. they hooked me. I'm hooked. Hey, I ain't mad at you, Doug. It's fantastic. And this is one of those things that I view like Triscuits. Like, I, like anytime I open up my pantry, I want this in there. Well, see, the thing is you can eat it, and you don't have to feel guilty about eating it. That's a really good point. No, like you can eat a ton of that's, it. That's, yeah. yeah, that's part of the charm is I can eat it. It's good, and I don't have to feel bad about it. Bruise Biltong. Again, B-R-U-S-B-I-L-T-O-N-G, BruiseBiltong.com. Check it out. Promo code JAM15 at checkout. You get 15% off your order. Also, of course, our friends at Blue Star Motor Group, have you called them? You looking for a car? If you are and you don't call them, then I want a picture of you lighting money on fire. (laughs) They specialize in superior quality, Carfax certified, pre-owned vehicles of all makes and models. You can call or just shoot her a text. Deb, 817-881-4066. It's her and her husband that own this thing. They have a super low overhead, and they truly, yes, they want to make money, of course, but they want to help you. Like, they don't want to rip you off. They want to help you find a good deal, and she will set out to make sure that you have one of those. 
Well, dude, it's all, you know, I've said this quite a bit, man. It's all about the win-win for them. It's not about the we win and you lose. It's the win-win. And who doesn't like that? And then the other thing about Deb is, man, she ain't got to answer to nobody. If uh, the deal sounds good to her, whether it's buying a car or selling your car, yeah. then she can make it. She ain't got to check with nobody. There's no service manager. There's no other person. She got to check in the GM. None of that. Just, yo, let's go make a deal. Now, you had posted a picture of the Johnsons who sold their car to Blue Star Motor Group. Well, Eric Johnson reached out to us and he sent us a message. He said, just listen to the podcast talking about my wife and I selling our car to Deb. Great experience dealing with them. They made us, they made everything so easy and gave us more than any other dealership offered. Thanks for the shout out. That was really cool. Well, thank you guys. Thank you, Johnsons. We appreciate that. And I read you that because what we say is true. You're going to be able, if you're selling a car, you'll get, they will be able to give you more money. If you want to buy a car, you will get a deal on a vehicle that you are comfortable with, with a local family-owned establishment who's going to take care of you. It's bluestarmotorgroup.com. Again, shoot her a text, give her a call. 817-881-4066. Very easy to make happen. But as we continue... How about a little trip around block? Yes, sir. I hope you're excited about it because I'm excited about it. And I'm telling you I'm excited about it because as I pull up my notes for the block, hold on, let me scroll down. Here we go. And oh, yes, this is why. I came across this article. I thought this was really interesting because my mom and dad grew up in Plano. They graduated from Plano High School in the early 70s. My dad played football Plano. You know, that's one of the things that I always thought was really cool about my dad, that if time travel is ever invented while I'm alive, I'd love to go back and watch my dad play high school football. Yeah, I get that. Because he was, this was before the current system that we have, but my dad would have been a five-star recruit. And wow. he he was recruited by people all across the country, like Joe Paterno at Penn State at the time. You know, he could have gone anywhere. And I've always thought, man... I wish that I could have seen my dad play because I think that would have been really, really cool because he was he was that good, you know, like on that level and ended up going to Oklahoma and whatnot. But I bring this up because I, was, I wasn't born in Plano, but when I was very, very little, we lived in Plano. And then my dad got a gig in Florida and we moved back and I ended up spending kindergarten through third grade in Plano. I originally went to Carlisle Elementary School, and then I did a couple of years at Matthews Elementary School, and it was brand new at the time. When I, like, I was, whenever it opened, I was like the first people that went there. Right. And then we moved to Mississippi for a couple of years and then moved back, and we had a house in Plano again, and I did one year at Schimmelfinnick Middle School. Well, I bring this up because if anybody has ever lived in Plano or has been through Plano or spent any time in Plano, the Haggards and the Haggard Farm is a very prominent part of Plano. And they originally, basically, like way back, Plano was the Haggards. Like most of the land in Plano was built on Haggard land. Oh, okay. All right. Because they still have a little bit of a farm over there off of Alma. And, man, what is that? That must be... It's not as far north as Spring Creek anymore. I don't know. I'm trying to remember. Maybe I can't remember where it is, but it's right there. Like, and now like over the year, even like from when I used to go there 
as a kid and you see that well you go to the star all the time and you know when you're driving north on the tollway and you look out over to the right side and you get up there almost to frisco it's before legacy and there's a movie like that big huge ass cinemark is there and like a twin peaks or some shit and then you see a farm in the middle of all this stuff that's also the haggards and so they used to own all this and they i mean they have got to be some of the richest people there is because they've sold all that (laughs) land over the course of time well i bring this up because a company called on deck capital did a study on the nation's longest running businesses oh and haggard farm in plano is one of the top 35 longest running businesses in the history of America that's still in existence. How bizarre is that? Right? So Haggard Farm began operating in 1856. Damn. That's pre-Civil War, friends. Yeah. It's one of the nation's longest running businesses. It came in 34th on their study of of the longest running 89 in America. And it is hands down the longest one, as you might imagine, in North Texas. Now, Pendery's, which is a Fort Worth spice store, has been in operation since 1870. Dallas's Triple S Dynamics, which is a material handling equipment supplier, began in 1888. And then in Irving, and I lived in Irving for two years, and in Irving, Porter's Army and Navy, a retail military supplier, opened in 1946. And it made the list. They are the 87th oldest still operational business in the country. Now, this is really interesting because 50% of new businesses do not make it five years. And 30% of businesses, so 70% fail, only about 30% of businesses make it 10 years. And Haggard Um, Farm has been in existence for 165 years. Oh, I get that, bro. As somebody who has uh, launched a couple businesses in the last year, <laughs> it is hard to it's hard to get it going, bro. And uh, you are fighting for everything. Uh, so no, if, if you, I, I get it fully that first five years, man, is make or break. But I thought that was fascinating, and and the, the land, the Haggard Farm land, has still been used for farming, even as even this year in twenty twenty one, dude, which is crazy, no, no. but. I think this is classic. Like, I've been up the tollway a thousand times. I never paid attention to that on the right-hand side. Dude, I, like, I when you drive, it's over there. Remember where we had the ESPN, like, the all-day broadcast thing? Yeah, over there by Penn State. Yeah, it, it's on the opposite side of the tollway from that. If you look out, and it, it'll catch your eye because it's just farmland. And you're like, what the hell is this? Well, they owned all that land up there. Wow. I mean, they owned almost all of Plano back in the day. There's a Haggard Park. There's Haggard Middle School, I think, now in Plano. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff Haggard all over Plano. It's crazy. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I know, and I used to think when I was younger, I'd be like, man, it must be cool to have a family that just randomly started a farm, and now they just are selling off a chunk here, a chunk there, anytime they need another few million. As you said, it must be nice. Yeah, because you know that land has got to be... I mean, it's like Jerry. Jerry bought that land up for the star years ago. Yeah. You know, he recognized where this was going. And so he bought that land. And then when it became prominent to build something up there, he built it. But he built it on land that he had bought for what would be considered a steal today. Well, dude, let's let's, let's take it further and tell the whole story. Which is, he hired people to say, what part of Dallas will be booming in 20 years? 
and people came back and said the Frisco corridor. Yeah. Uh, as people continue to move north from Frisco, Frisco, you know, from north from Plano to right, Frisco yeah. and Prosper and, you know, I guess Melissa and whatever else is up that way. Um, and so that's why he bought all the land there. It wasn't no, it wasn't no coincidence. He hired, he spent a lot of money trying to figure out where the city would boom. They hit it right, and then he hit it right. Yeah, man. I mean, it is. I I get development, but when you live it, and I'm sure you've lived some in the area where you live, but I'll never forget when I was in very early elementary school. You know, and obviously I talked to my mom and dad, and like we'd go to old East Plano where they grew up because there that's where Plano was like right. Plano was on what, what is now considered Plano East. That's what Plano was when they grew up. Right. And I thought it was interesting because when I was in elementary school legacy, there was, there was nothing North of legacy. Nope. Nothing like that's where it did it. Like there weren't any, you couldn't drive past legacy. <laughs> and you know, that's what it was. I mean, Preston would go, obviously, past Legacy back then because that was a, a highway, but it was just farm. It was nothing. It was field. And I'll never forget that because the neighborhood that I lived in when I was a little kid, we had one of the first houses in that neighborhood. It was built more off of, like, Spring Creek and Coit in that area. And it was one of those things, man, like, if you went, like, two streets north of where we lived, it was nothing but field. And then there I was then there was a new road that they were working on called Legacy. <laughs> I believe that wholeheartedly. And that's what's so wild about the development of DFW is when you can remember, and I know many of you probably remember even past that for me, you know, but my memory going back and now, you know, people live in Prosper and it's like, oh, this is yeah, no big deal. And I'm like, oh my God, you're like an hour from Dallas. Dude, when Dion first put his house up in Prosper and built it, it was like the only thing in Prosper. I mean, he would literally say, hey, just drive down Preston until you see my house on the right. Yep. You can't miss it. Yep. And now, you know, now there's so much development and stuff out there, you can't do that. Yeah, like now, I, I remember that. I remember years ago, you drive by, like, that's where Dion lives. You're like, really? I'm like, yeah, that's right there. That's his house. And he had that whole, like, like that, that football field in his backyard or whatever, and the goalposts and everything. Yeah. Yeah, it was it badass. So the other thing to get into here as we continue this trip around the block is I found this article and I thought this was interesting. It's talking about restaurants that have closed recently in DFW. Yeah. And a couple of them really jumped out to me. One, for instance, and I don't know if you've ever been here, but I'd had brunch there a couple of times and it had been there, I feel like forever. Anvil Pub in Deep Ellum closed two weeks ago. No, I'm familiar with that. It was right off of Main Street in Deep Ellum. They had brunch. They, they would do Bloody Marys that had like a full meal on top of the Bloody Mary. Wow. Also, Luna's Tortillas and Hacienda in Dallas closed. They had been making tortillas in Dallas for 97 years. Damn. You hate to see that, bro. You do hate to see that. You just hate to see that because, I mean, what are we talking about? We just got through talking about the Haggards, man. Yep. It's, you know, 97 years of business. Cosmic Cafe has closed, one of Dallas's best-known vegetarian restaurants. And then a couple of others, and these are closures that are coming up soon. One of those is Bavarian Grill in Plano, which has been there on West Parker for 28 years. And it is closing. Fred's Texas Cafe in Fort Worth is going to close on New Year's Eve. It has been there 
in for 43 years and it is closing Tin Bells Tavern in Oak Cliff and I've been there many times Tin Bells pa- Tavern they will be closing at the end of January in 2022 because that block of land has been sold to developers and they are building a high-rise apartment complex I hate to see that bro you do hate to see that and, and, and that's I, I get it but you st- you still hate to see it it's like one of those things, like places that you've been so many. It was like, I don't know if you ever went to the old, oh, um, the loon back in the day. And there's a new loon there off McKinney and like just north of downtown and uptown. But the old loon, and it doesn't ex- like the built, it's just gone. It doesn't exist anymore. They built right. a Walgreens and something on top of it. But the old loon, back when Dirk first came to Dallas and him and Nash were hanging, after Mavs games, you'd go into the loon and Dirk and Steve Nash would just be hanging out. That was their spot. That was where they would go. And it was weird because, like, you knew they were Mavs, but yet this is before they were good. <laughs> and so you were like, oh, there's a couple of Mavs. Got, like, this is not like, oh, my God, you saw Dirk. This is not that, Dirk. <laughs> this is like, oh, yeah, they play for the Mavs. True that. True but the Mavs that. sucked. Like, you didn't think anything of it. But, man, you know, and, and that's, I don't know, that's. That's life, I guess. That's progression. That's the way that things are. Bro, that's always the way things are, man. It's, um, I mean, I think that's the way, I mean, I think that's the best way to describe it. Um, you just don't always like it because, you know, those, yeah. there's something we like about traditions and, and businesses that have lasted that long and everything else. And you just, you know, you got to make room for the new, but you hate to see the old go. Yeah, and it's funny because now that I live in Birmingham, a few years when I lived here before, probably not it probably is my favorite beer bar of all time it was called the j clyde and they closed and it no longer exists and they have kind of torn that area down and i just thought man that's i mean it was what a craft beer bar is supposed to be like it like you would walk down it's so weird it's in it was in it was uh, it's probably a little north of downtown birmingham but in downtown and man, you'd walk in there and you felt like you were walking back in time into a Charles Dickens novel. Like it was all stone. Wow. The street was stone. The buildings like were made out of stone and stuff like, like, like not brick, like old school stone. And when you would walk into this pub, the ceiling was probably about like, I could put my hand on top of my head and stretch it out and touch the ceiling. Damn. So I would guess that? I'm six, three. So I would guess, I mean, what is that? Maybe, I don't know, six, nine ceiling or so six, 10. However long your thumb to your pinky is. Yeah. Works for me. I got enough headspace in a situation like that. Yeah, yeah, you do. (laughs) But, man, you'd go in there, and it it, kind of had, like, you know, like these, I mean, not torches, but, like, kind of like that vibe, like candles on the walls and stuff to light it up. And they had a phenomenal beer selection. I used to go there all the time, and it was just a super cozy, very unique beer bar. And now it no longer exists. And there's no, I mean, you can't replicate that. It it just either it's there or it's not. And if it's there and it's been there forever, then you're like, okay, this works. But you can't, you can't rip it off. And once it's gone, I don't think you can rebuild it and be like, oh, this is the new, like, like the new loon. The new loon in Uptown is not anything like what the old loon was. No, because it don't feel the same. Right. It's just, it's different. And, And so that's what it is. And you hate to see some of these closures, but. It's progress. And then, you know, years from now, 
when we're about to croak, we'll be like, remember uh, Reginald Loon? And people are like, no, but the new Loon's badass. Or they'll be like, you mean the Loon has been there for 40 years now or whatever? That's the way life goes. Hell yeah. That's what it is. It's also what it is, and I'll tell you this. If if you like customer service, if you like being taken care of, you, you need to take your car to Freeway Tire Shop. If you haven't, I don't know why. Because, and you talk about this, and I think we talk about this all the time, but my thing with mechanics, and I think most people are, you just don't trust them. Like, you don't believe they're telling you true stuff. And then when you find somebody who you who you believe, and then they prove to you that they are, you just keep going back to them. And that's JR and his guys at Freeway Tire Shop. No, that's why I take my cars to JR, man. I don't even think about it, man. It doesn't matter whether I need an inspection, an oil change, a new engine like he's putting in my Challenger, or figuring out what's wrong with the Jag. It just doesn't matter, man. Um, I trust him to uh, diagnose the issue, which a lot of times could be the problem. Like, did you figure out what's really wrong with my car so I don't have to bring it back? And then, you know, too, I, I trust him to use quality parts, man. And then I, I trust him to do the work for a fair price. And then I trust him to stand behind his, his work. And he's he's hit that thing every single time. Um, I've sent a bunch of friends there to have work done. And it's all because you can trust him. And, uh, you know, most people don't know how to fix a car. So with JR, trust is uh, is huge, man. It is. It very much is. Listen to us when we tell you that this is a mechanic that you can trust, that will blow your mind at the level of customer service that you experience at his shop. And it's competitive pricing. It's Freeway Tire Shop. It's just north of downtown Dallas. Schedule your appointment. Request your quote online now at freewaytireshop.com. Also, of course, have you put in your order yet for Smokey John's Barbecue? Because Thanksgiving, we're about 10-ish days, whatever, away from Thanksgiving. They do their dressing stuffed turkey legs, okay? And if you order this by November 17th, you got a couple of days, you can get a two-pack for $34.95, a four-pack for $69.95, it is smoked turkey legs stuffed with their homemade dressing and gravy with the side of cranberry sauce. And if you order it and you make sure to reference Jam Session, you get a complimentary homemade side. One pint worth of a homemade side with your stuffed turkey leg pack order. So call them now. 214-352-2752. 214-352-2752 if you would like to order that stuffed turkey leg pack order. If that's not your thing, cool. Go get that jam session bowl. Hell yeah, it's terrific, man. I mean, dude. <laughs> it's got your choice of, of mac and cheese or mashed, mashed potatoes to start, man. Your choice of uh, two or five smoked meats. I always go with the brisket and the, uh, and the, and the ribs for me, man. That's just me, though. Uh, you can do whatever you want, though. Uh, then they put some toppings that you usually find on a baked potato on top. Drizzle it with that... Uh, Smoky John sauce, and then you just sit back and gorge yourself. Yeah, I was trying to find pictures. Somebody had sent us pictures today. Maybe it was on Twitter. I can't remember where I saw it. I thought it was on Instagram, but I guess not. I don't know. But somebody had sent us pictures today because he had hit he had hit up some beers, and then he was like, "Oh, Smoky John's." He got the jam session bowl. Said it was incredible. I don't know. I'll find it for the next one. But I'm telling you, go get it. You will not be disappointed. It'll be amazing. It is not on the menu. It is only for Jam Session listeners. It's the secret menu, baby. It's fantastic. That's what's badass. Like, 
I'm not kidding you. When I come back, I'm, I'm about uh, probably about five weeks from coming back and spending a few days in Dallas for Christmas. I'll be going to Smokey John's. Me and the lady, we're going to do that jam session bowl. Tell you straight up. Yeah. I can't wait. So y'all go get it. It's Smokey John's barbecue. Again, actually, you know what? We've talked about this before. You could go take your car to Freeway Tire Shop and then roll on over to grab some lunch while JR's working on your car at, at Smokey John's. They're close to each other. Smokey John's right there off of Mockingbird, not too far from Love Field Airport, in between 35 and Love Field. It's local. It's family-owned, man. They're going to take care of you. And the food, the jam session bowl, the smoked turkey legs, fire! <laughs> Absolutely. I'm telling you, it's legit. Go get them. All right, so as we continue here with you on the Jam Session podcast, we wanted to get into a little bit of college football. This was a wild-ass weekend, especially for the state of Texas in the Big 12. Yes. I say this because in the Big 12, finally OU did what we all thought they were going to do somewhere along the way, which is lose when they play a good team. Well, you've been talking about it for weeks. I've been trying to tell people, man. Like, everybody's like, well, they're undefeated. It's like, OU, Texas, beating Texas is nothing. But... They got to play Baylor, Iowa State, and Oklahoma State back-to-back. I said flat out, they will not go undefeated through that. They won't. The version of OU we've seen this season is going to lose, I thought, at least once and probably twice. Baylor beat their ass. Yeah, it wasn't even close. I no. mean, it was close, but well, it was in the a fourth convincing quarter. win. Baylor's a better team than they are. Baylor's defense is really good. You know, Caleb Williams couldn't get it going through a couple of picks. They brought in Spencer Rattler. He couldn't get it going. And Baylor just methodically beat them down. And now this is where it gets interesting. I think Oklahoma State's a better team than them. Oklahoma State's defense is on par, if not better, than Baylor's defense. I think OU's going to struggle against Oklahoma State. Now, if that happens, it'll be interesting to see because I wouldn't be surprised if Oklahoma State beats OU. And then if they rematch in the Big 12 title game, we'll see how it plays out. I actually think that the Big 12 champion is going to have two losses this year now that OU has lost and they will not make the playoff. The Big 12 and the schedules are not strong enough for a two-loss champion. I was going to say, I think the, the big takeaway from that is you're not going to get to the tournament. I right. mean, no, and that's, you know, that's the goal of everybody to start. I want to get to the tournament. And um, if they get a two-loss champ, dude, it ain't happening. No, and, and uh, OU Nor is done. It. OU will not make it. If Oklahoma State wins out, they've got a shot because, believe it or not, their resume, Oklahoma's going to drop a bit in, in the college football playoff when they put up the rankings on Tuesday. Oklahoma State will be ahead of them because Oklahoma State's strength of schedule, their game control, their quality wins. OU still doesn't have a top 25 win. Oklahoma State does. So this is going to, that, that Baylor win will vault Oklahoma State. Like they, they are going to be ahead of OU in the rankings. OU, right. even if they were to win out, I don't think, unless they get all kinds of help, I mean, obviously, anything could happen. You could have multiple teams lose multiple games in a weird scenario. But if right. everybody does what they're supposed to do, even if OU wins out and wins the Big 12, they will not be in the playoff. Damn. They're out. They had to go undefeated because their schedule is shit. <laughs> and guy who keeps tweeting at me, I forgot your Twitter name when I tweeted out that I don't know if it's good or bad that OU keeps winning all these close games. And you go, that's stupid. You're an idiot. 
he called me. He's like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Obviously, it's good as long as you just win. And I said, no, yeah, bro. you're right. I said, if you go undefeated, you're right. I said, they're not going to go undefeated. They're going to lose. And when they do, then yes, what I am saying is dead on. So suck on that guy. <laughs> wow. I'm just, I tried to explain to this guy and I was like, you, okay, I'm done. It got to a point. I was like, you're like, you're just making up stuff that doesn't even, they don't even consider that. Right. That's Sometimes, what's weird about yeah. the playoff committee rankings is people try to do it with what, with the parameters they want. No, bro. It's never about that. Not how the committee does it. Well, they shouldn't do it that way. Okay, cool. It doesn't matter. It's what they do. Yep. So elsewhere, you look at this, and the other two teams in the Big 12 that really stuck out, well, one not in the Big 12 anymore. Okay, Texas got their ass kicked by Kansas. Yeah, yeah they did. Kansas, bro. Kansas. 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 <laughs> what do you want me to say, man? Like, well, I think what I think what people are debating, and this is the problem for the for the for the horns right now, man. I already have heard people speculating, talking. Maybe Sark's not the guy. Maybe we gotta go get somebody else, dude. Are y'all really trying to hire your fourth or fifth coach of the last seven or eight, ten years, whatever it's been? That is the absolute worst way to win. Well, it's better to solve a problem quickly. I mean, dude. I mean, if 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 you got to fire Sark after two years, then Del Conte shouldn't get a chance to hire another coach. You know my, what I'm saying? Right. And my it's, thing is, it's your biggest hire, man. You can't mess it up. Can you at least let the guy get the guys he thinks he needs? Yeah. I don't know if he's going to do it or not. I don't know. Well, I'm, here's the I'm thing, stunned man. at how bad they are. Here's a bigger issue, bro. Um, and and actually, I don't know if it's—I don't know if it's such a big issue, but it's clear to me because I asked this on Twitter the other day that this version of the horns have basically, for the most part, quit on him. The question is, how many of these guys on this versions of the horns will be on next year's team? Because with the transfer portal and a recruiting class, you don't have to keep cats that you don't want. I mean, you never did as a college program, but now you can go. Uh, let me see. I got 22 starters. I got seven leading, leaving because of graduation. Yeah. Uh, these other 15, I like five of them. Okay, you just bring them in. Hey, I don't really think there's a role for you. If you'd like to transfer, we'll do whatever it takes to uh, help you find a spot because we're bringing in some new cats. And you go to the transfer portal and, and you use that to uh, help you help you uh, bridge the gap while, mm -hmm. while, you, you know, you, while you get your squad ready over the next couple of years with recruits. And so I'm really curious to see how many guys leave after the season as they clean house and try to get the right <laughs> right kind of guys on the roster. Yeah, and I'll be very curious as well because Charlie Strong had this problem where Charlie Strong came in and wanted to get his guys and wanted the program the way that he wanted it to be, but he didn't have the benefit of the transfer portal. Right. And he tried to clean it up. It didn't work. Herman comes in, and it's funny because, look, Herman could do – I think this team would be better if Herman was here this year. This year. Long term, we'll see. Sark right now has the number seven recruiting class in the class of 2022. That will change drastically if Evan Stewart commits to Texas. For Evan Stewart, who's the number three prospect in the country, it's between Texas and A&M for him. And they haven't – Do what? What position does he play? He's wide receiver. 
All right. They also have Denver Harris out of Houston, out of North Shore, who's a cornerback, and he is between Texas and Alabama. Hey, bro, can I tell you something? As a, as a fan of Texas that you are, none of this means nothing because y'all ain't got no quarterback. Uh, well, see, and then I wonder soft, if we do. Like, I like if you solve the quarterback problem, then everything else will f- has a chance to fall in line. Now, maybe Houston Card's the guy. Is that his name? Hudson Card. Hudson Card. Maybe he's the guy. Who knows? Well, I, I, but you have got to file. You got to solve that problem first. Right? Because foremost. how about this? In the 2020 class, Bryce Young was the number one prospect at quarterback. DJ Uyangalale was the number two prospect. C.J. Stroud was number three. Hudson right. Card was number four. Right. Hudson Card was the number two dual threat quarterback right behind Bryce Young. And I, I, I just wonder, like, these other three dudes, Young, Uyangalale, and Stroud, have all been given the opportunity to do their thing. They put Card in for a couple of games. It didn't go the way they wanted in one game. They pulled him and put Casey Thompson in. And I just wonder, it's like, you don't even know if, if Card is going to have any. Like, just throw, like, my thing is at this point, Casey Thompson's not the future. You know he's not. He's been there for four years. I, like, why wouldn't you start Hudson Card the last couple of games and see, is there something there? Is this a guy who you can build on? And maybe not. Maybe he's a bust and he's a failure and his, he wasn't a five-star, but neither was C.J. Stroud. They were both two stars. I mean, four stars, sorry. But... I don't know, man. Like, I look at it and I see it. Like, Haynes King, the savior of A&M, he was supposed to be. Now, he got hurt early on and Zach Calzada took over. Haynes King was the number nine quarterback in that class. And you hear more about Haynes King than you do about Hudson Card, who was the fourth quarterback in that class. So, I, I, I don't know. Something is different. Something's going on. I don't know what it is. I don't know what the fix is, but I agree with you. I think you're right. You know, they, they, they've got to find out, and they've got to have that quarterback. But they also yeah. have to recruit at a high level so they can start turning this roster over the way that Sark believes that they need to do. I, I never judge a first-year coach on what he's doing because right. none, none of those are his guys. Right, and then you came in to fix a problem typically, and so you have to be given some, some kind of time frame to fix it, man. Now, did I think it would be like this? No. It's inexcusable – the talent is there and that's where the frustration comes in because you watch this team and you look at this Texas has a five game losing streak for the first time since 1956 it was the first time in their history that Kansas has ever won in Austin Kansas won a road game in the Big 12 for the first time since 2008 right right and I thought I'll be honest with you watching that game I wanted Kansas to win because I thought, you know what? This will mean more for Kansas and their kids if they actually pull this out than if Texas wins. Because it got to a point when it was 35 to 14. I was like, who, like if Texas come back and there's no, who cares? Like it's sad that this happened and it means right. way more for these kids for can't let them be able to experience that. All right. That's how I felt, honestly. Like it just got to that point with me. And it's sad. Like, I wasn't even mad. I just got to a point. I mean, I bet on Kansas. Texas was favored by 30 and a half. And I thought, my God, it's like Vegas wants to give me money. (laughs) They're not beating any. Like, I'm serious. Anybody who has watched Texas play, like, I I bet if we ask Chill this question on Thursday, I wonder if he'd answer it the same. But if you've watched Texas play year in and year out and game in and game out, 
they're not there's no way in hell they're beating anybody by 30 points at this point this season you wouldn't think so i don't care if it's kansas or not i don't know if they'd beat an fcs team by 30 points right now right i mean hell florida didn't they almost lost the one yeah samford right down the street here in birmingham right off of lakeshore that's where bobby bowden started his coaching career and jimbo fisher was there for a while for those that don't know. And speaking of Jimbo Fisher, it leads us to our next conversation. Texas A&M. Ah, the Aggies. And you Aggies, I get it. Every time we talk about the Aggies, you get pissed and you tweet at me, and I understand. But here's reality, okay? And this is something with Texas A&M that they have to figure out. You can have a great season. At best, you'll now be 9-3 and three in the regular season. That's assuming that you can go into LSU and Coach O's last game and you should beat LSU, but if the LSU team that showed up against Bama comes to play against A&M, LSU will beat you. Right, right. I have wondered this all season long, and this is what's so inexplicable. If you watch Zach, Zach Calzada is not very good. Haynes King can't play. He's not ready yet. He was in street clothes on the sideline. Ole Miss, inexplicably, Ole Miss, the same team who in consecutive weeks gave up over 200-yard rushing to their last two teams in, in, in Auburn and Arkansas, I believe it was. Or not Arkansas. I can't remember who they played the week before. It doesn't matter. 200 plus on the ground. AM, who averages almost 200 yards on the ground. And they shut down AM on the ground and said, beat us out, Calzada. And he couldn't. Which, obviously, like any team that plays AM, if you take away the run, their pass game is horrible. Yeah, they don't have one. They don't, not so, at I mean, all. Yeah, they're a one-dimensional team, man. Uh, they're doing well to do what they're doing. But you hate to waste a year that you beat Alabama. You know what I mean? And that's yeah. basically what you've done. If you're fortunate enough to beat Alabama, you want it to be we're competing for the SEC. You know, we, we made it to the SEC championship game mm-hmm. and we did something. We got it done because you're not going to beat them. But if you're a great program in a and you beat them two out of ten years right now. And so to waste that, man – it's got to be disconcerting or got to be heartbreaking. Got to be frustrating. Pick, pick one of those. So think about this. So Texas A&M in a year when they beat Alabama and Auburn, they lost to Arkansas, to Ole Miss, and to Mississippi State. Texas A&M right now, right now, they have one more SEC West game. They play Prairie View A&M next week, and then they play LSU to conclude this, the regular season. Texas A&M is 29-30. and 30 in their division since joining the conference. If they beat LSU, that will make them 3-3 three and three in the division this year and 30-30 30 and 30 in 10 years against the West. Again, I am telling you, this is an average program. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you're breaking news. I mean, they're, they're a solid program, but, you know, I'd, I'd probably say they're average. Well, I don't know. 30-30 30 and 30 is pretty average. I don't know how many top 25 finishes they've had or top 10 finishes. But, uh, you know, they're still trying to figure out how to get over the hump, man. And like a lot of programs, until they until they find a quarterback, dog, a real deal quarterback, who can, who can, and then recruit one behind him so that you don't take a step back when he leaves, it's just hard, bro. Yeah, and I thought this was a really big game because A&M and Ole Miss, both these programs, Ole Miss, they won 10 games in 2015 and 10 games in 2003. A&M won 10 games in 2012, the Manziel year. That's the last time they won 10 games for A&M. That's the only time they've won 10 games in the last 22 seasons. 
winning 10 games is a big deal for programs like this. Now A&M most likely, I mean, even if they win their last two games, they have to win their bowl game to get to that 10-win plateau. And that's what's so strange about this program. We are talking about a program. And this, I mean, look it up. They have one 10-win season in the last 22 years. We are talking about a team that in the last, man, you got to go back to, I think, 94. So what would that be? That That's 25, 27 years, something like that? Yeah, it's a long time. They have two finishes in the top five? Two finishes yeah. in the top ten? Yeah, they're not the they're not the program they think they are. And no, and, and that's much. what I think is interesting about the Aggies. Look, yeah, I get yeah, you guys recruit. Awesome. Kyle Field's cool as shit. I get it. It's a great game day experience. But you are what you are until you prove that you're not. And every year people come up and go, Well, this is it. And then you lose to Ole Miss. And then you lose to Mississippi State. And then you lose to Arkansas. When we beat Bama, cool. You know how many average programs point to the one or two losses Bama gets a year and goes, well, we were one of them. <laughs> exactly. I mean, good for you, I guess. And then people want to bring up the Texas. Texas sucks. So this is a different conversation. Anybody with half a brain will tell you Texas is pure horse shit right now. Jeez. They are, but damn. I'm just being honest. They have two players worth of shit. Bijan Robinson and Xavier Worthy. I would get rid of everybody else on the team and figure out, I mean, if you could have 80 recruits in one year, bring in 80 new people. <laughs> That's just how I feel about it. I will tell you this, though, and this is something that does not suck. They're actually phenomenal. False Idol Brewing in North Richland Hills. Have you been yet? Did you see on Twitter the guys that tweeted us about being at False Idol this, this uh, weekend? Yeah, tried to tell you yeah, man. And so Fallside Brewing, they put out all their new beers on Fridays. And I'm trying to scroll back because I got this a few days ago and trying to remember who it was, but sent us a picture and I was like, damn, dude, like you guys are right. Like, this is awesome. Like, I'm telling you, if you like beer and you like craft beer, it does not get any better than Fallside Brewing in North Richland Hills. It is local. It is family owned. It is phenomenal. No matter what style of beer you like, if you like a Berliner Weiss, you like a hazy IPA, you like a West Coast, you like a lager, you like a stout, False Saddle Brewing does it across the board, and they absolutely nail it. Dude, thing I like about them is everything they put out is pristine. Everything is perfect, man. Now, y'all know when it comes to False Saddle, I like to stick with the stouts, hazy IPAs, but everything they put out is fantastic. I've never had something there that I go, hmm, well, hmm, okay. All right, yeah, that ain't no good. Tastes like the Trinity. Never, bro. Nope, and I just found it. It was Lloyd. Lloyd tweeted in. He goes, he copied both of us. He said, this place is awesome. Sent a couple of pics of him drinking the beer. Yes, Lloyd, you are right. Golf Wang, I know it's a weird name. Golf Wang is their new West Coast IPA. Lloyd grabbed that, picked up a four-pack. It's available now. And I'll, Again, keep this in mind. Every Monday at the brewery, it is 15% off all to-go beer. Now, whether you get a crowler, whether you get it in four packs, 15% off. They still have that Blue Magic Hazy on tap. They still got the, the, the Midnight Lunch Stout on tap. They got the Banquet Boy, which is very similar to like a Coors. Like if you like that level of beer, Banquet, you can right. crush it. They got Crispy by Nature, which is a phenomenal lager. God, man, I'm looking at that right now. Somebody, I need to get their beers. Damn it. 
I was supposed to get some. They must have forgot to send me some. Anyway, Fall Saddle Brewing. Check them out. They're phenomenal. It's local. It's family-owned. You're going to enjoy it. You're going to love it. It's False Idol Brewing right there for you in North Richland Hills. Also, of course, I hope that you didn't wake up this morning and you noticed a crack that wasn't there before. But if you did, do not freak out. I would suggest to you that you get in touch with HFX Foundation Solutions. HFX Foundation Solutions, a full-service foundation repair company. They service all of DFW. They can take care of you, 817-770-0174. They will come out and give you a free inspection. No obligation, free inspection just to let you know, yeah, you know what, that crack is actually nothing. Or it may be like, good thing you called us. That crack is signaling, but you caught it early, so you're good. Dude, that's why we call it the colonoscopy for your house, man. They provide peace of mine they come out they check it out there's no problem hip hip hooray pop some bottles you got nothing to worry about if there is a problem chances are chances are you caught it in the early stages man then you have a fix that doesn't cost you nearly as much as it would have if you caught it down the line when it was at the stage four level so go get the colonoscopy before your house go call aaron over there at hfx and go make it happen that's exactly right when you call hfx you're not getting some salesman that works on commissions you're getting aaron and his guys he will come out personally so you're working directly with the local family-owned business that cares they also now offer quick and easy third-party financing. So come on, give them a call. If you see something, if you feel like you may have a problem, let them come out. They will perform a free, no-obligation inspection. 817-770-0174 or schedule online at hfxfoundation.com. All right, so before we go, and again, we've got, and, and this is what's wild about Sunday night, you got Kansas City and Las Vegas, and then tomorrow night you got the Rams and the 49ers. As it sits right now across the landscape of the NFL, the Titans won again today. They are head and shoulders above the AFC, in my opinion. They're at 8-2. and two. In the AFC, the Bills and the Ravens are 6-3. and three. The Raiders and the Steelers right now are 5-3. and three. In the NFC, Green Bay and Arizona, 8-2. and two. Dallas and the Rams, we'll see what happens tomorrow night with them, 7-2. and two. Tampa lost today, inexplicably, wow. to Washington, 6-3. to three, Or they're 6-3. and three. And then you got New Orleans at 5-4, and four, and that's it. Every other team is either 500 or below in the NFC. I mean, Dallas is we... really too clear of, of most of the field. No, it, but it's, it's just about playing good football, man. When they do that, they're going to be hard to beat. And there's... There's not many teams on their schedule, really, this year, the rest of the year. I'd say, for me, it's only um, Kansas City and uh, Arizona. Mm -hmm. That if the Cowboys play their best football, they don't win. Now, obviously, you don't play your best football every week. But if the Cowboys play their best football, they should win all but two of those games. And those two are not like, oh, my God, they have no chance. It's just that you could play good and lose. Um, and so for them, man, I think it's about like it was this week, staying focused, playing good football, everything else will take care of itself. Yeah. And that's why I mentioned earlier that I, I just wanted to be in the conversation. The Cowboys are one of five teams that I think will win the NFC. And I think it's obvious we all know who those five are, but they are one of those five teams. It's either the Packers, the Cardinals, the Cowboys, the Rams, or the Bucks. One of those five teams is going to the Super Bowl, and the Cowboys are in that group and the AFC. I think it's the Titans and the Bills, and outside of that, man, I mean, it, it, it's a lot. It feels 
a lot more wide open in the AFC than it does in the NFC this year. Yeah, I think so. But again, everybody's jockeying because this much we know. Somebody who's doing really well right now uh, will fall apart and uh, either barely make the playoffs or miss it. And then somebody who we haven't really looked at that seriously will make a run and make things interesting. And it happens every year. It's just a matter of who it is this year. Uh, but, uh, you know, this much I do know. Your Dallas Cowboys are a damn good team, and uh, they're going to be in the hunt. And they play next Sunday. Next Sunday, Cowboys on the road at Arrowhead against the Chiefs. It's a 325. It's the national late afternoon kick on Fox. And we'll be talking about that one. We'll be leading up to it, man. Todd Archer will join us on the next podcast. We'll have Ed Werder. We'll have Clarence Hill Jr. We'll have some peep show. We'll have some book club. Everything else coming up this week. But today, the Cowboys beat the hell out of the Denver Broncos 43-3. to The Denver Broncos, my God. The Atlanta Falcons. I fantasized about it. <laughs> I went back in time to my fantasy over Denver. They beat the Atlanta Falcons 43-3. to they're seven and two, and they look damn good, man. It's an exciting, exciting time right now to be a Cowboys fan. We'll see where it winds up. Hell yeah.